Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Michael Samuel Smith is back today, continuing his look at women in ministry. And as we approach the end of May, we have a special ministry update from Dr. Kenneth Hill. As we all get ready for the weekend, would you please take a few moments and check out the resources at our website, SWRC.com. Over 900 books and DVDs available for you, your family, church, or as a gift. Some of the top teachers featured on SWRC.com include Billy Crone, Jonathan Kahn, J.R. Church, David Weber, Michael Hoggard, and many, many more. Remember, when you purchase one of our resources, you are supporting the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. Please visit SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. Host Larry Spargimino welcomes Michael Samuel Smith back to the program now to continue their look at women in ministry, then and now. Well, Michael Smith is back with us. We're talking about his DVD, Women in Ministry, Then and Now. Brother Mike, so good to have you back with us. Well, thank you so much for having me once again on your show. In your DVD about women in ministry then and now, you discuss several women in the Old and New Testament who made major contributions in Israel's history. It appears that you are of the opinion that all of these stories about women in ministry is pointing to future events. For example, you say we see the story of Esther. So please take a moment and run us through that. That's very exciting. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 22 tells us, Let them bring forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us things for to come. In other words, God is telling us, We need to study these Bible stories very carefully because there is a prophetic message there that we will see again. Some even extend out to our modern day as well as prophecies that will take place in the future and commands us to try to figure those things out. Now, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2 tells us, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, some folks might say, well, I'm not a king. Well, actually, that is not true, because Revelation chapter 5, verse 10 tells us, And hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So actually, we are kings and priests. So concerning the story of Esther, I want to go back a few hundred years before that time and share a couple strange stories. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God instructed the prophet Samuel to give special instructions to King Saul to destroy all of the Amalekites. That included Agag, their king. But after the battle, King Agag was captured, and Saul failed to take him out. You see, God knew years later the Jews would end up being exiled to Babylon and later would be a part of the Persian Empire. As we fast forward to the book of Esther, chapter 3, verse 1, We see the evil Haman, who will later attempt to exterminate all the Jews in the Persian Empire, and believe it or not, all in one day. It tells us in verse 1, the father of Haman is Hamadatha, the Agagite. So to connect the dots, if Saul executed King Agag, as he was supposed to do, years later, Haman wouldn't have existed. 
You see, that's what God was trying to do, showing prophecy into Israel's future. A parallel to that story is we go back to King David now. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, we see a man named Shemei. And David and his military leaders are returning from a battle. The Shemei guy is cursing out King David, even throwing stones at him. David's military men are very upset at Shimei and want to take him out. For some very strange reason, David tells his men to let him go. As we fast forward back to the future, you might ask, what on earth does this have to do with the Queen Esther story? <laughs> well, actually, everything. Because when we read Esther chapter 2, verse 5, Mordecai's genealogy is there. And it tells us Mordecai's father was Jair who was the son of Shimei, who was the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Could this be the same Shimei who cursed David and was allowed to live? Well, the answer is yes. So, if David allowed his men to take out Shimei, there never would have been a Mordecai in Esther's book to give instructions on how to save the Jewish people. I can see the hand of God in all this story. And by the way, the name of God is never mentioned in the book of Esther. Right. But you can see the DNA fingerprint of God all over it. The story about Shimei isn't in our DVD, but the expanded story of Esther is. So this Jewish handmaid who lost her mom and dad, lost her culture and her language, and most of all lost her Jewish identity, went on to save a nation. There are many parallels between Esther and the Bride of Christ that we show in our program as well. And with that be blessed, amen. You say the story of Esther was played out again in World War II with the Nazis. How is that so? I think people need to tighten their seatbelt for this one. There's definitely a connection with the book of Esther and an event that took place after World War II, but both deal with the Feast of Purim. The war with Germany came to an end in the month of May 1945. About five or six months later, in November 1945, the Nuremberg trials began. The United States government put up several of the top Nazis on trial, and that trial ended on the 1st of October 1946. It was determined these men committed crimes against humanity, and 11 of them were sentenced to be hanged. It was secret as to when the men would be hanged, and all of them were on suicide watch with guards observing them 24-7. Shortly before the hanging took place, Hermann Goring, the general over the German Air Force, had secretly placed a cyanide capsule in a jar of skin cream. The guard watching over him didn't notice anything unusual, but Goring took that capsule out of the bottle inserted it into his mouth, and crushed it with his teeth. In just a few moments, he was dead. Now, you might think that only left ten that were going to be hanged, but not exactly, because they had a spare replacement for Goring, and his name was Joachim von Ribbentrop. So we are back to 11 that will be hanged. The hanging took place on the 16th of November, 1946, around 2 a.m., and by the way, Ribbentrop was the first one to be hanged. Now this is where the story becomes extremely interesting. One of the Nazis to be hanged wasn't even in the German military. His name was Julius Stryker. He was technically a minister over the media. For years he wrote stories in the press supporting Hitler and his regime. He even wrote a book to German children on why they should hate the Jewish people. 
The name of that book was called The Poison Mushroom. Even the good German people after the war thought Stryker should go on trial because he was so evil. So in the end, Stryker was sentenced to hang as a civilian. For historical purposes, I wanted the folks to know U.S. Army Master Sergeant John C. Woods would be the one who would hang the last 11 Nazis. You could say Wood is the one who finished off the 12-year-old Third Reich on the 16th of October, 1946. And as these men were being hanged, Woods knew the precise length of the noose at which, when men fell through the scaffold, they would die a pretty quick death. However, when it came to Stryker's turn to be hanged, Wood changed the length of that noose, and it would have a different outcome. Just seconds before that trap door opened under Stryker's tied feet, he shouts out a very quick statement with all the power in his voice. And this is what he said. Purimfest, Purimfest, 1946, now it goes to God. Of course, we don't know exactly what was running through Stryker's mind, but there is no question he connects this hanging of the Nazis event with the Feast of Purim in the Book of Esther's story. In the Esther story, Haman was hanged on the gallows he built to hang Mordecai, Esther chapter 7, verse 10. And Haman's ten sons were also hanged, Esther chapter 9, verse 10, for a total of 11. We want all the listeners to know number 11 in the Bible is the number of judgment. So here at Nuremberg, 11 Nazis would be hanged too. Back to U.S. Army hangman John Woods, when Stryker was being hanged, Woods shortened the noose, and Stryker would die a very agonizing 14-minute death. Mm. At the end of the Queen Esther story, all the bad guys who were going to physically kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire, they were taken out by Jews. Mordecai would be placed at a high-level position in the empire, and Esther was still a queen in the Persian Empire actually lived in peace after that story. Now, here's the story the people of God need to know. After the 11 Nazis were hanged by John C. Woods, the American people after the war never knew that John C. Woods was actually a Jew. Isn't it strange God would use a Jewish man to hang the last of the top Nazis? Some may call it payback, but I would say it was the hand of God. Amen. That is fascinating. I never knew that. You spent hours and hours and hours. I think you said you spent five months putting this DVD together. That is so fascinating. Thank you for bringing that out. And the book of Esther is a wonderful book. As you point out, the name of God, I think, sacrifice, the covenant, and other key terms that are very important to Israel are not mentioned directly. But as you pointed out, the DNA of God is everywhere in the book of Esther. Wonderful book. So as far as women being in ministry today, how do you feel about women operating in the office as pastor or as a bishop and episcopos? Well, that's a very hotly contested question today, no doubt. <laughs> You're uh, we, right. are, we are all aware this is a very controversial issue, and I'm giving my opinion about this, but 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, tells us that a bishop is to be the husband of one wife. In our DVD, I give a description of a modern-day bishop and pastor. A bishop is a minister over other pastors, if you will, so he would be over a region or district today. 
like a bishop, I believe a pastor today should also be a male figure. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, which still apply. As a modern-day pastor, he is over a flock of people and is responsible for the spirituality of the entire congregation, as well as the authority over all the activities that take place in the church, like all the Sunday school activities in all age groups. And his duties would also include counseling where necessary, baptizing new members, and performing funerals as needed. Ideally, the pastor should be married, and his wife would play a very important part mm. in ministering to other females right. as she supports the ministry of her husband. It's important we also look at the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, alluding to apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. In our DVD, we show an actual picture of a bishop today, and we have two examples of a pastor as well. In fact, a couple photos of you, Pastor Larry, as a pastor over a Chinese church in Oklahoma City, and my pastor, Charlie Jordan, in Arlington, Texas. So there are some examples of this type of office today. Amen. You know, the divisiveness that this issue has produced, I think, is very, very unfortunate. I think you've given a good answer. And I know there's one being who is very happy with all the divisiveness, and it's the devil. So I think you've given a good response. Well, I noticed in your DVD that you showed several examples of ministry where women can be utilized today. So if you don't mind, could you share some of those examples with us? Well, we spent about five months gathering photos of women in ministry in several roles. I intentionally steered clear of mentioning any denominations, because I knew women in many denominations would see this teaching, and we wanted it to represent a broad spectrum of races. So we have pictures of women that are Asian and African-American as well as women in ministry in other countries, too. I think this DVD about women in ministry is extremely cutting-edge. Folks will be amazed to learn a number of things about where women fit in. We intentionally made the length of this DVD, one hour and six minutes, it would be an excellent tool to be shown at a women's Bible study or even a Sunday school setting. Yes. As I reviewed many of the stories in the Bible, these are some areas where I think women can be used in ministry, and here are some examples. We actually do see a woman in the Bible who was a prophet. So I do believe a woman today could be a prophet or prophetess. Can a woman be an evangelist today? I say, yes, she can be. Can a woman be a guest speaker at a church or a ministry? I believe that would be okay. How about a Sunday school teacher at any age level? I say yes to that. Well, what about a woman having her own Christian TV or radio program? That would be okay, and we show pictures of that also in our film. Well, being a pastor's wife would also be a very high-profile job for any woman, but requires a lot of special skills dealing with other people. Yes. Is it okay for a woman to play musical instruments in a church? I would suggest it should be okay with that, as long as it's okay with that denomination and along with the pastor's approval. Uh, women also do very well in secretarial jobs, perhaps in the church office or church schools. It's always important to note, however, if a woman works in a church setting, it's under the pastor's authority. In my recent research, I found out that there are more female missionaries overseas than there are men. Mm -hmm. And by the way, one woman we can learn from today is Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
no doubt, one of the most important women in the entire Bible. In our DVD, we discuss much more about her and her life and why God chose her to bring the most important person ever to us in history. We even searched her background and upbringing. There were writings in the first, second, and third century, but I was only able to get one resource who discussed that, and we were able to put that out in our DVD. We also covered many of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, even prophecies in the Old Testament, such as Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that states a future virgin who will birth the future Messiah. When you read about the angel who appears to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, there are actually seven prophecies the angel gives about the future Jesus. Four, I should say, were accomplished during Jesus' life, and three will be fulfilled when Jesus returns in our future. I was always taken back by how mature this teenage girl was in responding to the angel, Gabriel. She never argued with the angel, and when she inquired, how could she have this baby without having relations with a man? And the angel gave her an answer in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. There are many other lessons we can learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Number one, Mary was chosen and mightily used by God because she was spiritually prepared. One question we could all be asking ourselves is, how are we preparing ourselves for our mission in life? And secondly, the lives of Mary and her entire family were built upon service to God. Well, ladies, that's the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus in a nutshell. What a godly example that all of us can learn from because she was a willing vessel. Amen. Brother Mike, thank you so much for these two excellent shows and for your DVD, Women in Ministry, Then and Now. Well, thank you, Dr. Spargimino, for having me once again on your show. Get your CD copy of the complete two-day conversation on women in ministry with Michael Samuel Smith when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today in the Resource Center, we are spotlighting Michael Samuel Smith's brand new documentary, Women in Ministry, Then and Now. This documentary's focus is on women in ministry from Bible times to the present. Order this DVD today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Thanks to your ongoing prayers and financial support, there are many wonderful opportunities to spread the good news that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here to share the details of some of the latest happenings here at Watchmen on the Wall. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. So if we're in Christ, we're a new creation, a new creature. All the old things are gone. They have passed away. All things are now new. 
How important is that? It's important for us on a daily basis to realize that God Almighty has renewed us. He has made us new. We are now a new creation of His, a new creature, and the old things are gone. How wonderful it is to know that God remakes us, reshapes us, reforms us, and renews us. And we can be used of Him because He has made us new in Him. Well, I want to uh, remind you of a project called Studio 50. Now, we're trying to raise $50,000 to purchase new studio equipment and install it so we can go from the old equipment of almost 40 years old to new equipment by today's standards. It will make for fresher sound. It'll be good for us. It is important for us to bring our equipment up to speed. And we lack $7,000. We've got 86% toward the goal. We lack $7,000 having the money that we need for the new equipment. And we'd like to do that this month if you would participate with us. Of course, we encourage you to send your gifts for Studio 50 here to SWRC. Now, you can go to swrc.com and make your gift. You can call 800-652-1144, and you can make your gift with a debit card or a credit card. Or, if you prefer, you can send your gift by check to SWRC, P.O. Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73147. That's SWRC P.O. Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73147. Now, the Summer Virtual Prophecy Conference will be with us July 15th through the 24th. The information is at swrc.com and click on event and it will give you the summer virtual conference schedule and it gives you the opportunity for your registration fee of $19.99. You have access to all the titles for the duration of the event. That's the 15th of July through the 24th of July. Michael Hoggard will be speaking on Mother of All Secrets. Kamal Salim, The Blood of the Lambs, His Testimony. Micah Van Hus, The Lost City of Atlantis. J.R. Church, Guardians of the Grail. Rob Lindstead, The Russian Invasion of Ukraine and Bible Prophecy. Larry Spargimino and Gary Bates, Alien Intrusions. Noah Hutchings, USA and Bible Prophecy. Don Marquis, which rapture are we waiting for? Ambassador Henry Cooper, the EMP threat, and Eric Barger, the most dangerous cult. That's our summer virtual prophecy conference. That's the 15th through the 24th of July. And you go to swrc.com to register and to get all the details that you need. 
Well, we have some other needs that are unusual. With the problems that our country is having with, oh, the shortages that are affecting everybody, we have shortages affecting us. We want you to be praying that we can continue to print books and send updates through the mail. We're having trouble getting paper. We're having trouble getting envelopes. So we ask you to not only pray that we would be able to get the word out, but also to sign up for our weekly email updates so you don't miss anything. And those things that we print, we put out as emails as well. So that way you can have them electronically if you sign up for them. Now, in this thing of needing envelopes and paper, I checked on the paper, and it's the large, big paper that goes on printing presses, and so that's not something I've got at home. But we need envelopes so we can send the various things out to those who are on our mailing list. We have been unable to find envelopes that are scored on the inside which means that we have envelopes that you can actually, you know, put them up to the light and see through, see what's in the envelopes. We encourage you to place your gifts in your checks that you're sending, that you fold them over and put them inside a card or inside a piece of paper so that someone can't just look through the envelope and find out how much you're giving and who's it going to and perhaps cause them to want to take what you're giving. So this shortage is amazing to me that the shortage is just about everything, but we do ask you to guard your giving to Southwest Radio Church Ministries. Make sure that you have them hidden as you mail them to us because we will not have envelopes that are secure envelopes anymore, those that you can't see through. We're not able to purchase those. We can't find them to print our return address on them and send them to you. So we appreciate your help in these times of shortage. We ask your help in prayer that the Lord would provide and that we can continue to print our books and send the updates that we have for you through the mail. So be praying with us, will you please? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us with a love that never fails. Thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for the ministry that you've put in our hands and that we get to work with. We pray that you would bless it, that you would nourish the ministry as you nourish us. And then we pray too, Lord, that you would provide for us during these times of shortage, and that we would not miss the opportunities of letting our listeners know what you're doing and how you're working. Now, Father, we ask your blessing upon our listeners. We ask your special blessing upon them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be sure and order Michael Samuel Smith's brand new documentary, Women in Ministry, Then and Now. Order this DVD today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.org.
www.southwestradioministries.com. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.